What's up, Blazer fans? Welcome to the Blazer's Edge podcast, part of the Almighty Baller Radio Network. We've spent the last week or so on this show on division previews, getting to know the other teams in the incredibly tough Western Conference. But today, my friends, we are bringing it back to Rip City. We are recording this on Monday, September 25th, which was media day. And tomorrow is the first day of training camp. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Now, unfortunately, my usual partner, Dan Morang, is under the weather. I'm not sure if he's taken to bed because his heart is broken over Carmelo Anthony not coming to Portland, or if he lost his voice from yelling about it, or maybe he just has an early case of NERC fever. But unfortunately, he's not able to join us. And I hope you feel better soon, Dan. I do have an excellent guest who is at the Moda Center today and is going to give us a recap of what went down. So join me. Uh, joining me on the line is Blazers Edge News Editor David McKay. David, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you for having me. And I, I guess I have to uh, live up to that intro and be an excellent guest. You will be. I am absolutely sure of it. So let's just dive in because I'm really anxious to hear about the team and what's going on. Now, obviously, everyone is putting their best foot forward today. People are in the best shapes of their lives. Everyone has a great attitude and the ceiling will never be higher. But <laughs> let's talk a little bit about what actually happens at Media Day. So can you kind of just walk us through what happens? Sure. Uh, so I roll in about half an hour before the interviews start. I think doors opened at 11 and you know, you have a bunch of the usual guys there. I think uh, Casey and Joe and Mike got there before me. I arrived at the same time as Jason Quick and walked in together. And um, they have a nice little spread of food. There's some coffee, some very, very useful, fantastic coffee that drives everyone through the day. And, uh, you know, I think around, uh, it must have been 1130, everyone kind of circles up in front of the podium and the little backdrop. And they start with Neil he comes out there and he explains why everything's just fine. And then Terry comes out and he explains that everything's going to be normal. And then Chris McGowan, team president, of course, comes out and explains like business stuff. And that takes a little bit. But that's, that's not like super interesting for the fans. Then you just go through the players one by one, asking questions, asking questions for a few hours, and then you're done. Well, all right. I actually got a chance to listen to some of it today. And there was a lot of questions from media where a lot of questions about, you know, like how people had prepared physically in the off season, questions about what they were up to, you know, what kind of fun things that they do. We'll get into more about uh, what the players said about their off season, but let's go ahead and start with Neil Olshay and Chris McGowan, the faces of the franchise. What was Neil's message about the team? Mr. I'm sorry. What was Mr. Olshay's message about the team this year? <laughs> President of Basketball Operations, Neil Olshay. Uh, <laughs> he, uh, you know, it's interesting because before the draft, his message was, you know, we need an immediate impact. We're going to go out there and get it. And then today his message was sort of we tried our best. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he, he mentioned that the West has gotten a lot stronger and that they tried to do their thing. But ultimately, you know, you need two teams to make a trade. Um, he talked a little bit about the rookies and, how, you know, they're going to eventually fit in and they'll develop behind the scenes, which, you know, is, is not necessarily what everyone wanted to hear going in. Because, again, during the offseason, it was like, yeah, instant impact. And now it seems a little more subdued. Um, but, you know, it's 
it's more reasonable. I think this is probably the most accurate thing we can look at here is that the rookies will come in and they'll get their uh, most of their development behind the scenes at practice. They'll get minutes where they can. And uh, that was that was one of his main talking points. And I think something that the fans have interest in is, you know, what the new guys are up to and what they're going to be like. And, you know, that's something that we asked a lot of the players about periodically was, you know, have you seen the new guys? Have you seen the new guys? And, you know, most of them kind of said that they uh, keep to themselves. But, you know, it, it'll be uh, certainly interesting. And then McGowan uh, talked about, again, the business interests. And I think uh, something that will be a heavy heart for many fans is, you know, the Blazers are not going to land the All-Star game for at least another several years. I think 2022 is the first year that Portland even has the opportunity to bid to host again because the league informed them that uh, they're not going to be a finalist in this this latest bid, which was for 2020 and 2021. So maybe in what is that five more years we'll be able they'll be able to put in a bid again for possibly hosting the All Star. By then the the new hotels will be done hopefully. Well, I want to go back to uh, Mr. Olshay. Did he talk about anything about? what has happened in the Western conference over the off season? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, he had mentioned that, you know, obviously the West is like crazy stacked right now. Um, And I think that's something that uh, is pretty easy to identify regardless of if you're president of basketball operations or just, you know, like we are right now sitting at our computer screens. It's, it's uh, man, it's going to be tough. And, the Blazers, they tried to improve and, you know, it's kind of that small market thing where they did so through the draft and we'll see where they where they lie among the uh, cluster of top teams there. But yeah, you know, it, it's uh, I think the rhetoric has changed from the thought that, you know, last year they made the playoffs off of a late season push and they were thinking like, yeah, we can push like this all this year and we'll for sure be a playoff team to like, you know, hopefully we make the playoffs because now it's just going to be ridiculous. Did anybody uh, ask about the the recent Carmelo Anthony trade or some of the other big names that may have been had interest or other teams who may have had interest in dealing with Portland over the summer? Yeah, there was a little bit on uh, Carmelo. And again, that was sort of uh, the whole thing about it takes two teams to make a trade. Obviously, the Blazers would have liked to improve, and it, it wasn't a secret that they were part of that, trying to get Carmelo. But you know, uh, kind of, it's at that point where it is what it is. You know, everyone's kind of looking back at it like, you know, had it happened, it would have been great. But you move on with what you have. Sure. Speaking of moving on, let's go and talk about Mr. McGowan's talk. I you, you mentioned that he talked about the hosting the all-star team did he also bring up uh the patches yeah uh they they haven't found an advertisement partner yet but they're working on it and they can put those on at any point during the season so there's really no major rush um but yeah you know i put something on those jerseys to distract from how uh we'll say how interesting the statement edition is we have not had a chance to really talk about the new uniforms on this podcast. I let my feelings be known on Twitter. Taking off of your reporter hat, what did you think about the new statement jerseys? <laughs> uh, I was not so much a fan. I think that it's it's 
Okay, so I'm going to go on a little tirade. Hopefully people will uh, appreciate this. Maybe they won't. But I feel like everything with the NBA right now is getting um, simplified. And everything's like mass appeal. And it's, we are getting block letters and flat colors. And for the sake of uniformity, we're really losing out on what gives brands and logos personality. Um, and we're seeing that with the new like NBA playoffs logo that people are making fun of on Reddit and on Twitter. And we're seeing it. Again, with the jerseys, I feel like a lot of them are overly simple. And while, you know, it was sort of this bold decision to have it just be red and black instead of red, black and white. I mean, it just it looks um, almost clunky. I, like, I don't even know if you can explain colors clashing in a clunky way. But, you know, the the black stripes have, I think, a different tone of black within them. But you can't really see it if you're up close and so it's just like it almost looks like a uh, uh, something you would wear at the Y. You know, it's not really like uh, flashy is not the right word. I don't you understand. You know what I think they look like? I think they look like safety vests, like a red safety vest, yeah. like a crossing guard would wear. Only except it looks like it's got a tire track over it, which I, yeah. you know, I'm sure that they look much better in person. And you were act- you were there for the reveal of the new. What are they called again? Icon and assortment. What are they called? There's the icon uh, jersey. I think icon and association. Association. Assortment <laughs> association. Whatever. You were there for the big reveal of those. You know. So did they? What did they? Did they look better close up? You know, because um, oh, I think those were fine. They look crisp. Um, it, it's just a matter of I think they changed the font style a little bit and again flattened it and you know made it all nicely. I mean. I, I can't complain too much about that. It's essentially the same jersey. Very few people even noticed that there was a significant change. I, I will say that those look pretty clean, and I'm happy that they do. Uh, statement jersey, not so much a fan. You said it looked like uh, looked like tire tracks. I showed my girlfriend, and she was like, oh, yeah, it looks like when somebody dies and they hang the black ribbon over their picture at the funeral. Oh, yeah. Like, like Well, know? I know that when I saw them, I, like, called up the picture on my phone and I like ran to the backyard where my husband was barbecuing and I shoved my phone in his face for like 10 minutes going, can you see what they did? Look what they did. And he's (laughs) like, I'm trying to cook. Calm down. And he actually, he was like, I don't really have a problem with them. So there's definitely people out there who are like, you know what? They're, they're bold. They're easy to spot. They're definitely easy to spot. (laughs) But I, I was um, quite shaken when I initially saw them and I'm assuming that they're going to look much better in person. Um, I think the renderings with most things, people just kind of get used to them and then okay with them anyway. So once we start seeing them in the fan shop and people start wearing them on the streets, you'll just kind of adjust and be like, yeah, they're not so bad. I just loved those old red jerseys so much. Those were my favorite. And I love the little rip city over, you know, right on the back. I thought they were so cute. Now. Yeah. Well, anyway, we were talking about the jerseys because we were talking about Chris McGowan's uh, saying that there's no there hasn't been a sponsor yet who's been uh, selected for a patch, although they are actively looking for someone. And it can be at any time that uh, that they that they add that patch. Uh, Anything else from from those two that either questions they were asked or other talking points that they had that we haven't covered? Um, not so much. They, okay. you know, they're really more of a lead-in. Mm-hmm. Um, McGowan again is sort of uh, just sort of like to make sure you have all your bases covered. I don't think any fans are going to be, you know, leaping out of their seats to hear what the business side of things looks like. Hush, everybody, hush! Chris McGowan's <laughs> on. 
He did mention that he tries to stay off of social media when they release stuff like that because regardless of, you know, whether the change is positive or negative, 90% of people are going to hate it right away. Right. Yeah. Um, it's probably a wise course of action. <laughs> yeah, yeah, probably wise. <laughs> if you're sensitive. Well, so after those two step or were at the podium, they were uh, also Terry Stotts was up there uh, before the players spoke. So what was Coach Stotts' message this year? Uh, I mean, he talked a bit about internal development and seeing how uh, the team's going to look and how we have a lot of returning players again. I think we have 12 returning players this year. I don't I haven't counted. It's not in front of me right now. But uh, the thing that interested me the most is he rarely talks about the lineup at media day. He kind of he always plays that a little close to the vest and makes decisions on the fly during the season. But he did mention that with uh, the the crowded front court and how many bigs we have this year, that we're going to see Farouk at the three more often, Mm. which is interesting because uh, he's fun when you go kind of small ball and put him at the four. And if he's playing three, that raises questions for Evan Turner and is and Mo Harkless as well. So uh, I was surprised that he elaborated on that and interested to kind of see what that means for guys like Caleb Swanigan, who, you know, potentially have um, a, a spot available with Von layout to start the season. And, you know, Myers Leonard, who has made big improvements as well, or says he has. And I, I hope that uh, hope that that's true. Um, but, you know, it, he also mentioned that with Noah injured, that's not going to change how they really approach the season. So there's there's room for flexibility there for guys to kind of figure out uh, where they belong in the start. But ultimately, I think we're going to see Von Lay kind of back in that starting role. I think Von Lee said that he was out maybe five or six weeks. I know they don't give definite timelines on there, but um, it sounds like he's going to miss, you know, some some pretty significant time. I mean, that's that's not a short that's not a short recovery. Um, I thought it was interesting. Another thing that Stott said about the actual, um, you know, about the game and what what the basketball was going to look like is he said that you know the offense is going to work itself out, which is I think. Uh, typically kind of how he um, the last year that was kind of what he's what he said too and he said that they're going to be going to the post more with Nurkic here um, he's so he's going to be talking about getting the ball early on the block and then seeing what happens which mm-hmm. I that seems like a fairly significant change from the, at least the, the beginning of last year but the other thing is is there was a lot of talk among um, among players and uh, the coach about that significant needing to get a, a good start um, and how important it was that, that they come out, then they come out fighting. Can you think of other things that he talked about just kind of about the, the attitude of the team this year? I know he said something about how this year wasn't so much about focusing on schemes and techniques so much as uh, concentrating on focus and effort, which I thought was sounded like he's saying these guys know the playbook. They've been together for a while and now they need to come out and they need to come out with that kind of focus. Yeah. You know, there was something that Neil had mentioned right before Terry, where he said uh, that last year there was a sense of things being given and not earned because they, they kind of had that Cinderella run two years ago and thought, you know, this will be easy. And then they came out cold to start last season. Um, And then Terry kind of said, you know, maybe that's not quite the way I'd put it, but there seems to be a sense that last year they started with uh, a little bit of complacency and this year, you know, they're they're really focused. They're going to have urgency right out of the gate. I know that, you know, that's something they're going to say every year. Yeah. This 
ragtag group of scrappers going to go out there and win a ship. But uh, but this you know. year, it's it's going to happen. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, you know, and um, like you said, they've they've been together, um, which can only help. It's I think that's one of the things um, in that last year before Lamarcus left, that was uh, a huge strength of the team is they had all worked with Terry and in his sets for a few years together. And that's what made that cohesion so hard to deal with for other teams. Um, and, and this team right now, this iteration of the Blazers is mostly guys who have returned and um, having Nurkic, I think will be huge having him for like a full season, especially if he's healthy, because again, talking about LaMarcus, we haven't really had a, a, a post presence, a formidable post presence since LaMarcus was here. So to be able to, you know, put it down on the block and open up the guards to kind of do more things along the perimeter is going to be a lot more fun because we have some really talented guards. Um, I'm excited personally, and I I don't get excited uh, as much as I should anymore. But uh, to see what this team can do, I mean, honestly, it's kind of an unknown quantity. And that's unique because we have so many returning parts, but just this one significant change that we saw as uh, just sort of briefly at the end of last season could make or break this team. It was definitely very tantalizing. Just want to see some more of that. One other thing before I move on to the players that I can't remember if it was Neil Olshay or Stotts, perhaps you remember, they talked about how Dame didn't do the uh, San Diego trip this year, and that's one of the ones that I'd been I'd been wondering about. I was like, "Hey, we haven't gotten the the beach picture <laughs> yet this year <laughs> from the beach trip," and um, I think it was Olshay who talked about it. But he talked about how um, the guys this year have uh, like a much more work based attitude as opposed to having to build camaraderie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that was Olshay. And I know that was all Shay because had they done the beach trip, he would have said, hooray, camaraderie. And had they right. not said, hooray, work, you know, there's always a positive spin. Um, that uh, Perhaps that's a bit jaded. But anyway, uh, yeah, you know, th- there is a sense now that they all know each other. There's no there's no period where everyone needs to, like, come in and, uh, you know, play never have I ever. And, <laughs> like, you know, two truths, two truths and a lie. lie. <laughs> yeah, you know, to get to know each other. Because they've all worked together, they've all played together, they've all learned together and grown together. So uh, now it's just time to get down to brass tacks. And with that urgency that we talked about, I think that's going to be really beneficial. Well, let's get to what the players had to say. Um, why don't you just go ahead with however you wanted to introduce what the what they talked about? You know, who ta- who said what? What are the highlights? Sure. Uh, well, I, I believe we started with Nurkic, uh, which is. Interesting, because I think we usually start with Dame. But anyway, uh, Nurkic came out and we talked about his weight loss, which was sort of a big thing. Everyone wanted to key in on that, which, uh, you know, was <laughs> a point of humor and also um, legitimately important. And it sounds like he has lost 34, 35 pounds, but he's two, still 270 pounds, which is, you know, that's a lot of human being to go out there on the court. <laughs> um, and I know that was one of the things that fans like to uh, chat about during the, the August lull was, you know, Hey, he's lost a bunch of weight and he'll be more agile, but like, will it be a sacrifice of strength and can he still body people? And he's going to be out there pushing people around. No question about it. Um, so that was the main thing we talked about with Nurkic. We, we touched on his extension possibility a little bit 
just because, you know, his contract situation is up in the air. But he said, you know, uh, and I, I believe him, you know, any player is going to say this, but I think he legitimately means it, that he wants to be in Portland. He wants to be here. Um, and Olshe, no, was it Olshe? Maybe it was Stotts. Olshe? Probably Olshe. Yeah, it was Olshe. Anyway, said, uh, you know, he, he wasn't going to talk about the extension because that's something that they're just not going to make a, a public conversation just yet. But um, for the time being, he's here. And he's set to have, hopefully, a stellar season. And then, oh, sorry, what? Uh, well, he made a comment, which I was really excited about. And I think a lot of Blazer fans were excited about, about the bad boys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Well, let's see. He Didn't he list off, uh, was it Rashid and a couple other guys? when He said, asked, you know who the bad boys are, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he said that he wanted, that he was hoping that the, the, the team could have a little bit of that attitude, which I, I thought was, was really interesting. And I, I've heard from a number of fans who are looking to uh, see a team that has a little, come out with a little edge. And mm-hmm. boy, that's a team that had edge. <laughs> Yeah, well, and it's funny because, like, you're not supposed to root for fights when you're watching sports, and I don't, but, like, when you see one and you see the team kind of come together and be like, hey, man, you're messing with my point guard, and, you know, he shoves him, shove back, mm-hmm. and that sort of, like, we're not going to let you push us around or maybe we're going to push you around, like, that's something that, you know, we used to get from Joel Freeland occasionally off the bench, but really we've had such a, such a, a nice persona lately that it'd be nice to kind of get out there and maybe you know, knock some elbows and, and, uh, you know, be a real force verbally and physically. And I think Nurkic is ready to do that. He's always had kind of the, uh, that, that edge to him. Isn't there, I feel like there's a video, I can't remember who it was, but he like dunked on them and then put the ball in their lap. Oh yeah. You know which one I'm talking about? I do know. And I don't know who he did that to, but I do, I do remember that. Yeah, he like he tried to draw a charge or something and it was an obvious flop and so he just went up for an easy dunk and like set the ball on top of him or so. it was I'll have to look that up. But uh yeah. fans who are listening right now, go to YouTube, search uh Nurkic does something cool or whatever you think the the term will be that gets that video and it's pretty interesting. Well, anything else about Nurk? Who who came after him? Uh, Dame came after him. Nurkic was actually a pretty short interview, but uh, yeah, Damien came out and talked about, you know, leadership, I think is always one of those, those talking points for him. But, you know, he says the West is strong, but after those top three teams or so that, you know, it's wide open and he wants to be one of those teams that's not on the fringe of the playoffs, but that's on the fringe of being in that top four, top five in that conversation. Um, whether or not I think the Blazers will be there is irrelevant, but you know he seems pretty confident that with um, the right work ethic, they can be a part of that conversation. Yeah, and you certainly want that out of out of him. You certainly want him, um, you know, preparing not not like just trying to make it into the playoffs, but you know, trying to be right in there in the conversation. The big topic that I that took a lot of time with Dame I thought was his new diet (laughs) a lot of discussion about vegan Dame yeah you know I I think that's that's one of those silly (laughs) things it's kind of like media day is always sort of a how was your summer conversation and uh he changed to a vegan diet and I think he said his favorite food was vegan sloppy joes yes (laughs) 
<laughs> he t- well, I thought it was interesting. I, full disclosure, I happen to be vegan and my family is uh, too, but we haven't been for a super long time. It's kind of an on again, off again thing. But one of the things that he said that I related to was he was talking about why he did it. And it, weight loss was one thing, but he said one thing that he has realized is that he thinks it's going to affect his recovery because mm-hmm. he talked about how when he was really super tired he doesn't feel as gassed as he did before. Like he, he said that he, you know, he'd get tired and his arms are hanging and his head is hanging. And he said that he still gets tired, but he felt like, uh, it had made a difference in, you know, just how affected he was by fatigue and about how uh, quick he was able to, to, to bounce back. I was actually really surprised at how much diet talk there was across all the players today. (laughs) There was, there were a lot of questions about people's diet because they wanted to talk about Al Farouk Aminu's weight and they talked about Damien's diet. And I figured, I think there was at least one more person who they asked a lot of diet questions of. Yeah, that's, that's one of the, uh, the, traditional default media day questions when there's kind of a lull and in uh interesting topics where people are trying to think of the next thing they want to ask so you just kind of go to uh you know hey how did you uh how did you change your diet what was your uh, workout regimen and that kind of buys you a few minutes to <laughs> to have a more interesting conversation but with damien yeah that was that was pretty interesting he had mentioned that he wants to play at 190 he's currently 193 last year he started the season at 198 and one thing that um, I don't want to say I took exception to because that's too strong. I thought it was more humorous than anything else. He's like, oh, I'm trying to drop weight and make things easier on my body. You know, I'm getting old. I'm 27. And I was mm-hmm. there thinking, I'm 27. Come on, man. <laughs> like, I don't want to feel old just yet if I can help it. Well, maybe if you go vegan. I'm trying to yeah. get Dan to go vegan, too. I'm I'm, I'm thinking hoodie Dan Never. on a vegan diet could you know we could get a lot of you know exciting takes out of him <laughs> I, I could not imagine dan as a vegan <laughs> no anything else you want to touch on with cj or with dame before moving on to cj uh no i think we we pretty much covered it i mean media day unless there's uh some major reveal is a lot of just kind of catching up and he talked about the strength of the conference, how he wants to be in the conversation, change a diet, you know. CJ talked about changing his hair. <laughs> <laughs> it was getting pretty deep in there. <laughs> that I I think I tweeted about that. It's not media day until someone asks a haircut question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it, it it must be it must be hard to be on your feet and like be trying to think up. I mean, imagine you probably have, do you have specific questions when you go into the room for each player and then somebody takes your question and you're like, Oh no, I got to come up with a different question. You know, I used to, and that, that very same thing used to be an issue where I'd be like, Oh, I'm going to ask this and it's going to be great. And then someone else would ask it and I go, well, shoot, now I have to think. But usually, um, I will, you were watching the, uh, the stream, I believe, but my style these days um, is to just kind of listen to what the people have to say early on with coach and, and uh, Neil and everyone, and then loop that back into my questions later and be like, hey, you know, Terry said this, and I think this impacts you in this way. How, you know, what do you think about that? Or uh, I don't know. I, you know, I usually just kind of talk about something someone else has said and bring that up for a player and be like, hey, you know, Farouk, uh, coach said you're going to be playing more three. You know, is that something you're you're looking forward to something you think you'll be a good role there. And then, you know, talk to Evan. I think I asked Evan about that and say, said like, 
um, with Farouk at the three, you know, has coach talked to you about what you're going to do? And I usually, uh, yeah, you know, <laughs> I, I work on my feet that way. Well, those, uh, those moments of silence during media day are tough because I think after maybe the first or second question after Damien, there was like this silence. And then the person who was like, you know, running the show said, does anyone have any more questions for Damien? And I was thinking, <laughs> oh, my gosh, we can't be done already. He only talked for like five minutes. This yeah, is Damien. Yeah, that's uh, that's Jim. He was uh, asking, like, you guys got anything else to say? But, you know, last year, um, I think I was asking most of the questions, most of the first questions. This year was Mike Richmond, who started with the mic each time and would ask and then kind of look around and be like, all right, anyone else? And you know, then Jason would hop in and we'd start getting things going. But yeah, there were several times during the day where uh, if you don't watch Media Day, whoever you're, whoever's listening right now, um, you'll get a lot of juicy quotes, but there's also a lot of silence between them. <laughs> As everyone's thinking and writing. Well, yeah. what other, what else stood out about the players when they were up at the podium? Who, who said something that surprised you or made you think? Hmm, surprised me. You know who had a really good um a really good interview was Myers. Okay. And it wasn't so much that he surprised me because like I feel like every year he says, you know, I I did something new and I'm going to be a new me, but this year he's healthy, he and which is I think is big and that's something I've mentioned um here and there in different conversations is that I feel like a lot of times people look at health as a very polar thing in the NBA where uh, you're either 100% or you're 0%. You're playing or you're not. And people don't give a lot of wiggle room for playing but hurting. And Myers, I think a lot of last year with the back problems and prior to that recovering from shoulder surgery and having had shoulder surgery, like you don't you don't feel 100% right away as soon as you're able to do something. It's There's still pain. And, you know, he uh, he drew a lot of scrutiny for his poor play and some of that's on him but like this year and I, I just wrote an article about this for whoever's listening and feels like going back and reading what I'm sure will be yesterday's by this point is that when this is going up it'll go up Tuesday yeah okay yeah so yesterday's article is that you know he doesn't have any obstacles in his way anymore there's no excuses you know he's not physically hurting he's mentally in a good spot this is the Myers Leonard we're going to get he is primed to be the best that he will be. That doesn't mean he'll be a star, but it means that we'll get like a really good gauge of what he could be, what he should be, what he will be. And he talked about how uh, he had spoke with spoken with Wesley Matthews at the All-Star game and was like, hey man, you know, you, know, you need to check out Drew Hanlon. And he said, okay. You know, he went and he found a trainer and he worked over the summer and he was legitimately passionate. And that's something that, you know, Myers is sneakily, and I think this, uh, a lot of fans miss this because they see that he lacks confidence on the court, but in speaking with him, he's usually like really um, upbeat. He's really sarcastic and witty, and he'd been kind of missing that last year. He was sort of in this little uh, darkness nosedive, but he's, the, the passion is back. I think he's ready, and it was really exciting to hear him speak uh, not only what he said, but how he said it. And I, I'm, I've been a uh, Myers Leonard believer is maybe strong, but <laughs> I think, I think he gets a lot of uh, undue criticism, 
and a lot of due criticism, but he'll be uh, an interesting player to watch this year. Yeah, I I was very, I mean, I, w- I was almost kind of moved by some of the stuff that he said because he talked about, you know, needing to go like the his he said Wesley kind of takes took care of me, and it kind of made me think about like wow, like you know, I I knew that the when that team broke up, it it took away some of the people that he had been very close to, including also his coach. Um, Kim Hughes. And I know that that had affected him. But so he talked about going to Wesley and and really, you know, needing some some guidance on how to make his his game better. And then he talked about with uh, Drew Hanlon, Drew being able to specifically pinpoint some mechanical things that he hadn't really realized were an issue with him. And I thought that was uh, I thought I just thought that was interesting how he reached out and when you know sometimes when you reach out and you're you're making yourself you know kind of vulnerable to somebody you're going to work super hard because you you know put your trust in them and i thought that came across in his uh very animated interview like you were saying he was very animated and boy at the end the last 35 seconds of that he has a message for the people who um he said i think we're behind his, their little screens and uh you know he, he really has, a, like you said, he has a lot to prove. And, you know, we're in this place just about every year. But every year I believe that he's going to go out there and, and do it. Well, <laughs> and, and some of the things he touched on were fascinating. He had mentioned that Drew said, um, like, if he tilts his shoulders, I think mm-hmm. it was back or forward 15 to 20 degrees, it changes his uh, transition three-point percentage from, like, 60% to, like, 20 or 30%. You know, so he needs to be uh, mindful of of shooting with consistent form and how he wants that to be. And that's uh, that sort of sports science realm where, you know, if you have a player who's interested in legitimately investing in in uh, that side of basketball and learning what mechanically is wrong with their game, then that, I think, influences the mental side. You get more confidence in your game itself. I, I believe he, he touched on it a couple of times saying, now I have something to do. Now I have something to turn to. Now if things are going wrong, I have a routine and I know I know what I should be doing. I know what to look for. Like yeah, you were he, saying, he, that one example of foundation. his... Foundation. That was his that's thing. What it was. foundation. Yeah, I have a foundation now. So get at it, Myers. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. Let's see. Did we're... And any of the uh, guys who we don't see that much on the field there. Um, oh, Caleb Swanigan. Ta- we talked very, very briefly about the rookies at the beginning. Um, what kinds of things were the veterans saying about the rookies? So some of them hadn't really watched. I think it was Ed who said, you know, I just kind of like <laughs> I loved his. myself and I hope everyone else is doing fine. But um, <laughs> I had asked Noah, um, you know, after he hurt his shoulder, what he saw from the sidelines because it's different as a spectator than as a, as an active player. And he had mentioned that Swanigan was looking really good. And Damien had said that Swanigan was looking really good. And anyone who you asked to like pinpoint one player that looked really good to them, they all said Caleb Swanigan, mm-hmm. uh, which is super encouraging uh, and kind of nice because if you ask Swanigan himself, you're going to get maybe four or five word answers. But uh, yeah, he's uh he's going to be an interesting piece because that was one of the things where the players all said great things. And then Terry and Neil both said something to the effect of like, 
you know, they'll get their development behind the scenes, but I don't know about opportunities just yet. So when we open the season, I wouldn't expect to see uh, him or Zach be playing super regularly. Well, they'll play probably most nights. That's just my speculation. But they're not going to be impact players right out of the gate. But it seems like there's really room for especially Caleb to do good things in year one. Mm-hmm. Did Were Jake and Shabazz and Pat Connaughton, were they around? Did you see them anywhere? Um, I mean, they were around. I think I saw Pat signing balls as I was leaving. But typically, um, if someone's not in high demand from the media, then they don't come out for an interview. So by the time we got to, I think Noah was the last one. Jim was asking us if there was anyone else. And, you know, I asked for Zach, and I think he had to leave early for something else. So he was unavailable. But we didn't really talk to Shabazz. We didn't talk to Jake or uh, or Pat, you know. I think uh, Neil mentioned C.J. Wilcox's two-way contract, but, you know, that's about as far as we dove into the uh, the end of the roster and sort of the, the stragglers. And Anthony Morrow, I didn't see, but I did see that he hopped on uh, Talking Ball, I think, after afterwards. Oh, uh, yeah, because he was talking about how he likes to go to the screen door. <laughs> yeah. More of that hard-hitting media day <laughs> hey, stuff. It's the, it's the spot for brunch in Portland, I hear. Yeah, it is. It's it's quite nice. Well, mm-hmm. what do you think? If what are can you summarize what you think some of the things that the fans should be excited about this year? I mean, I know again, it's media day. It's the highest ceiling is ever going to get. But what are some things that that you think fans can take away from media day? Uh, well, we have a confirmed, much lighter, much healthier Yusuf Nurkic, who hopefully will not be winded in the second quarter anymore. So that's going to be big. That's going to be fun for fans to watch for. Uh, it seems like we're going to have a slightly new style of offense. It's not like completely retooled, but you know we're going to be running it a little differently through Nurkic uh, from time to time. We have some exciting rookies. Um, we didn't, you know, it's funny. We actually didn't talk very much about Zach, even though Zach wasn't there, uh, which surprised me because there was all that hullabaloo about, you know, trading up to get him when we got him. And then it seems like he's not really even a conversation right now, but we have some exciting rookies. Um, I think just overall, it's interesting because the team didn't change a whole lot. And that was one of the talking points is like, yeah, you know, consistency, everyone's back. But at the same time, we don't know what this team will be. It could be, like Dame said, it could be that fourth, fifth team. They could miss the playoffs. So in a way, I'm more invested in this season than I have been in years past, just because like, I have no idea what's going to happen. I thought it was interesting from a fan's perspective that... I mean, we've we've spent the last two years watching them bond and get close, and that's been really fun to watch. But... There was a lot of business discussion. I mean, there was a lot of basketball discussion today. There was a lot of discussion about attitudes and getting out there from the beginning, which, you know, we would expect to, you know, hear from them. But I feel like in years past, there was, you know, a big heavy emphasis on how well they all get along and what Dame's leadership style was like. And this year it was like, 
we got to get out there and we got to get to work because we got stuff to prove because we did not have a year last year like we wanted and we need to come out there and, w- and we need to show people that we're better than they thought we were last year. So I, as, a, as a fan, I was encouraged about that attitude also coming from them. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, that's something we touched on a few times was accountability. You know, I think uh, there's there's a ready-made urgency as we start this season, which is unique to this year. Yeah, I loved what CJ said about accountability. He said account- accountability doesn't mean yelling at people. And and he expanded on that a little bit. And he talked about it was about it's about developing relationships. And Dame talked about accountability being knowing what your job is. And that just seemed to those two statements really seem to represent the way those two guys have been leading the team. I mean, CJ talked about how he'd been chatting with ET over Evan Turner over the summer and, um, you know, and somebody was like, why were you, you know, why have you guys been, was it FaceTiming? And he was like, how do you know we were FaceTiming? (laughs) That's like sources. But, uh, CJ talked about is because he wanted to develop a closer relationship with ET and it was on the backs of him talking about, you know, accountability and whoa. I think that's your end. It it was on the back of him talking about accountability and developing relationships. And then he went into, you know, trying to develop his relationship with Edmund Turner. So I think they're taking the business of basketball very seriously this year. Not that I don't think that they weren't before, but, like we said, that extra urgency to come out with the chip on the shoulder, maybe be the bad boys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm down for that. I'm anything that's exciting. That's uh that was kind of my philosophy for if we got mellow was, you know, at least it's exciting. So if the blazers want to go out there and be bad boys, I'm all for it. <laughs> Do you think they will be exciting? What's your, what, what are you, what are your preseason? Uh, what are the preseason things that you're going to say that you're going to watch for, I guess? Hmm. Exciting compared to other teams or exciting in their own right? What do you, what do you consider, (laughs) what would you consider an exciting year by the trailblazers? Oh, an exciting year by the trailblazers. So if they can get up to 50 wins in this conference, that's exciting. Holy smokes. That would be exciting. That'd be be crazy. exciting. the nice thing is, is like people sometimes go and they look like, okay, well they're in a super tough conference, so they're not going to do well, but they're still going to play the Eastern conference plenty. And the Western Conference is not invulnerable. So it's it's possible that they'll succeed. I think they were, what, 40? Were they 500 last season? 40? They were 41 and 41 last year. Yeah, so, you know, if if we assume that last year's run with Nurkic wasn't a fluke and that we do have a certain level of internal growth and that Nurkic will be healthy and this team will be strong, then even in the Western Conference, they could improve upon last year's record. If they do that, they could be a playoff team. And and that to me is exciting. Um, I think the least exciting outcome would be for them to go out and struggle right away like they did last year, and then try and dig themselves out of a hole like they did last year, and then barely scrape into the playoffs like they did last year, which seems like a very real possibility. But you know, it, the biggest thing for me is just the rookies. Probably, I I like watching the young guys. I like seeing how they do, uh, and they're the biggest question marks right now. Yeah. I think they didn't talk much about Zach Collins because they're kind of trying to protect him because they, when they did talk about him, they talked about him in the context of, 
but he's very, very young and it's going to take a few years to develop him. You know, it's the same narrative that they used to, you know, also say about my, about Myers, although Myers, Myers did have playing opportunity pretty early because of just the situation. But right now they're pretty deep in the front court. And here's, I guess my thing with Zach Collins, and it's not like a personal thing, but you know, they, they made a big stink about getting the best player available. And a lot of people uh, felt that Zach Collins was not the best player available. Uh, They didn't work him out. They only sent him a personality test. He got to Vegas and he struggled and then got injured. And after games in which he struggled, he was extremely hard on himself, um, which kind of reminds you that he's 19 and then he's kind of underweight for his height, and the, he'd been billed as this immediate impact. And now I think what's happening is you're seeing um, the front office kind of dial that back. They, they, I mean, it's it's a tough conversation to walk back, but if they can do it, they're trying. Uh, and they're, they want to temper expectations, which is very, very curious because Caleb has been doing really well. Um and it's sort of that thing where, you know, you're only going to talk about the thing that's going right, mm-hmm. um, which isn't to say that Zach is going wrong, but that we don't know because they're not talking about it. Um, to be fair, we didn't really ask about it. So it's not like they're going to bring it up if we don't. But it just the fact that it wasn't of interest to a lot of the media members there is concerning to me uh, because I think and this is something I've. I've said before is that I think he's going to be a couple years before he's an impact player. And with all the talk about Damian Lillard's timeline and trying to get people in his prime and uh, that, that this is a whole tirade for another time. But, you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens with Collins. And I think a lot of people are curious to see what happens with uh, Swanigan. I have a theory about Damien's timeline and the ability of Portland to attract free agents. And I think it comes from the, there was an article out this summer about how important the Olympic team is. Do you, the, the players who played on the Olympic teams are all now ending up on teams together. Um, you know, partly the theory being that they had all this time together playing for the Olympics and they got to know each other and they decided that they were going to all play together. So I think we need to start looking at, the uh, the rosters of the what do you call the team that plays that practices against the Olympic team? Um, those guys are more in the Dame and CJ uh, age group, and I think we need like uh, Miles Turner and Anthony Davis, and you know some of those younger guys who I don't did Anthony play Davis play in the Olympics? I can't remember if he did or not. But we need to look at that up and coming group of Olympics players. Those are going to be the guys that I think we actually the Portland's going to have a better chance of uh, bringing to to Portland in free agency. Yeah, see, uh, free agency is is uh, I mean, you know as well as I do, historically not Portland's strong suit. Um, but at a certain point, you have to question um, if management has done everything they can you know how much of it is on them and how much of them is on the market um i mean we look at like okc and they were able to attain paul george through trade but that's not exactly a huge market you know okc is not known for its bumping nightlife and ability to draw a crowd and they somehow turned an off season of you know like all we have is russ into okay we added paul george and we added carmelo anthony oh and 
we might add Dwayne Wade depending upon how that takes out. So, you know, it, it can be done, but in Portland, it, it just feels impossible. But those guys were all a part of that Olympic team. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, they they are friends from that. They are, you know, they they went they went to that together. But anyway, that like you said, that is a topic for another podcast. <laughs> tomorrow's training camp. Are you going to be at the facility tomorrow? Yeah, I'll turn up. I'll probably yeah. bring my camera and uh, do some video work, maybe uh, take some pictures. So, you know, watch out for that on Twitter and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I'll, I'll probably take some uh, interview footage and post it on Blazer's Edge. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for hopping on and giving us some of your highlights from Media Day today. Do you want to go ahead and uh, tell folks how to find your work? I mean, you already did, I guess. It's on Blazer's <laughs> Edge, but how can they find you on Twitter? Sure. Uh, well, my work is, as you said, on Blazer's Edge. And if you follow the link in my articles to David McKay, NBA, that is my Twitter handle. That's McKay with the Scottish spelling, M-A-C-K-A-Y. Uh, I'm usually pretty active and as the season gets underway, I'll be more active and I'm always happy to talk ball with people. Is your, uh, is your nickname DMAC? You know, it, uh, kind of is it, that's sort of like a default nickname in a sense that anywhere I go, if someone says, Hey, DMAC, I know they're talking to me. <laughs> um, I can see your face. So you don't look very excited about that nickname. <laughs> Do you have one that you prefer? Oh, well, I guess, so this, this is a dumb story, and people can enjoy it if they so choose, but I've been called Dolb for like, what is this, like 10, no, 13, 14 years, and it started out as Danny's little brother, because my older brother's name is Danny, and we had a lot of people in our friend group named David, and his friends thought it would be funny, and then it got shortened to DLB, and then to Dolb, and then it's just kind of... That one stuck with me a while. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Dolb McKay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dolb. Oh, As always, you can find Blazer's Edge on Twitter at Blazer's Edge. You can find me at TCB Biggs, or you can just type in Team Mom Rip City. You can find the podcast on the Almighty Baller radio now at almightyballer.com or subscribe on Stitcher or iTunes or whatever podcast catcher you like. Also, I encourage everyone to hop on over to BlazersEdge.com where you will find news from David and the rest of the news staff and analysis and features by our other fine writers. Thank you for being an excellent guest, David McKay. And thank you to our listeners. We will catch you next time. Mm -hmm.